the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you want to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. So if you have a money question, comment on business, the economy, or just want to talk about the playoffs, maybe. Who knows? 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. The Dow up almost 0.7. SP 500 up almost 1% today. The NASDAQ up almost 1.8% today as the market's closed. It's interesting to note, too, for the Dow, if it, not, if it weren't for... Caterpillar, Merck, and Disney, the Dow would actually be down in 2014. That's how we started the day. I'm not sure if that's true by the end of the day, since most of the components of the Dow were up today. But Caterpillar has had a huge rally off its off its lows of 2013. A couple of things out there, too, I noticed in the world of ETFs I want to start to start the show with. And ETFs, those are that stands for Exchange Traded Fund. And all it is is a mutual fund that trades like a stock. So mutual fund, if you... Buy a mutual fund in the morning, you don't get the price until the end of the day. If you sell it, you know, midday, you don't get the price until the end of the day. It, it only prices at the end of the day. Then they add up all of the individual stocks or bonds inside the fund and they find out what that underlying value is and that controls the value of the shares of the mutual fund. An ETF is typically a basket of stocks or bonds and it prices all day long. So the price moves up and down all day long and it trades like a stock. So you can, if you make a buy now, you get the current price. If you sell it now, you get the current price. And so it's a little easier to watch the fund flows in that area, especially on a weekly basis. And in the world of ETF news, foreign bond funds, they had a pretty tough 2013, especially if the manager didn't have the ability to hedge against currency issues because the dollar strengthened a lot against a lot of emerging markets and foreign markets. Because was the you know U.S. was thought of as the best place to be, so the dollar rallied, and then you had a lot of emerging market countries that had current account deficits. Their currencies fell, so uh, rates went up, and that t- really all around was a tough year for foreign bond funds, especially if their manager was not able to hedge against currency. This year, emerging market bond ETFs have survived sovereign ratings downgrades in Brazil and Russia. They've survived the fears of the shadow banking meltdown that you know, may or may not be occurring in China and a lot of other headlines to generate pretty decent returns. So despite all of the return or all the headlines that you see on emerging markets, 
a lot of the stock and bonds in those areas have actually done pretty well. Last week, I might have even mentioned it on the air that we saw about 400 million of outflows in that area because emerging market bond fund ETFs had rallied a lot the first quarter of the year. So you started to see some outflows in those areas. It was mostly on the retail investor side. So that's now turning and seeing reports of what, you know, called smart money. And this is, when I say smart money, it doesn't mean it's a recommendation to buy or sell. You know, always consult a broker advisor before doing anything. But as retail investors have continued to reduce exposure in those areas, institutional investors are waiting back in. Last month, PowerShare's emerging market sovereign debt portfolio, the symbol is PCY, uh, it had about 650 million in inflows. So as you look at an asset class, it's on sale. And the reason why I mention this is just look at Caterpillar, one of the horrible performers of the Dow last year. And now best place to be so far in the Dow for 2014. Things rotate. That's why we've talked about a rotation of the, you know, if you're in a lot of momentum names, a lot of momentum names, and you should be rotating more into quality, into value. Not only just dividends, but dividends with some revenue growth as well, some stuff that's not trading out of whack of the entire market in terms of the price-to-earnings ratio. And a little bit more, I really prefer, if you're going to get into the international bond fund area, which I do own for, in some cases, 10 to 30% of a fixed-income portfolio in international bonds where the manager has the ability to hedge against currency issues, I prefer the managed mutual fund rather than the ETF in this area. You can get a better long-term risk-adjusted return issues. So I've, I, I'm not really a big fan of bond ETFs in most cases at all. I like the managed approach. With that said, let's, get, let's go to the phones. Let's go to John in Pleasanton. John, how are you? Hey, John. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, basically, our situation right now, uh, 42-year-old, 46, we're both uh, fully invested in our 401ks. We have IRAs, we have uh, uh, trading accounts as well, and we just we just have an extra fifty thousand dollars to invest. Mm-hmm. So my wife uh, is a little bit risk averse; she doesn't want to be more invested in the market. And we were looking at annuities, which I'm I'm not really fond of. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to you know get your input on where else could we go with fifty thousand dollars today. Well, so when you look at your overall equities, can, can you tell, are you almost all in stocks? Do you own any bonds in your overall mix? Uh, not really. We don't have... No money. bonds? Maybe, maybe 10%. 10% in bonds, okay. And have you, have you, you know, loaded all of your accounts into Morningstar and look at the snapshot to say how much do you have in large cap, mid cap, small cap, international emerging market? Uh, like we that? tried to, I, I didn't do that, but I can tell you from memory that we're about, uh, you know, 40 um, uh, cap, big cap, uh, about 20% small cap, about 25% international. And um, so we have, I think, a good diversification is just that, you know, instead of going back to to investments, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot of options, obviously, outside of the, uh, the stock market. But uh, right. we're trying to take maybe less risk with the $50,000. And, yeah, uh, that, you know. 
Go ahead. You see, I think you're a little bit young for an annuity, John. Um, you know, there are certain types of no-load or lower-load annuities that make sense for people as they get a lot closer to retirement. Yeah. Kind of the window is at 55 to 75 time mm-hmm. frame. You're not going to be able to build well. So, you know, you might be able to look at it in terms of a lower-risk investment because you'll put your money into an annuity and they'll say, well, no matter what, for income purposes, we'll say that it grows at 5% and then 5% income at age, you know, whatever. And that might make you feel warm and fuzzy, but then what will happen over those two or three decades until you retire is that the fees, instead of being a you know half a percent or less in a mutual fund portfolio, they'll be three to three and a half percent a year. And so even though you've got this, oh, I bought it for lower risk, your performance is just going to be just so dismal over the longer period of time that it'll be a mistake. And then the other options are fixed or indexed products that, the returns are so low right now, again, it's not worth it. I mean, what about just having an overall uh, concept of, okay, the market, I mean, talking to your spouse about, look at a balanced portfolio, look at a balanced fund, for example. And in a basic 60-40 type of stock bond split, even with the last couple of decades, there's really never been a 10-year period where people have lost money. I'm not saying it can happen, but if people, you know, weathered the storm and kept a diversified portfolio, they actually had more money. So maybe the lower risk approach in this situation, instead of finding a different type of investment, would be to yeah. just dollar cost average that 50000 in over a 6 to 12 month period so that it doesn't feel like you're slamming it all in and watching a certain value. You're slowly going in over time and it'll allow you and your spouse to kind of get used to having that money in the market and where it ebbs and flows. Because you don't need this money anytime soon, do you? No, no, no. No, it's just uh, it's actually sitting in in cash account right now, and uh, it more it, it's more like uh, part of our safety, you know, uh, short term uh, cash needs. But we don't ah. have sixty plus thousand dollars in into this account. So I, I've, I've been telling my wife that we should move part of it, you know, into uh, an investment because right now it's not doing anything. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the deal. So you said something different. Now this is if this is emergency funds because every family needs three to six months worth of expenses in cash. If that's what this is, then it needs to be safe and boring and no risk. So what I would do then if with in this scenario is go to bankrate.com and just open up one of those high-yield FDIC-insured money markets through, like, where there's Capital One, there's Ally, a lot of different banks that you can tie to your existing checking account and get, you know, 0.91% on the money. But if this is your emergency reserves, you don't want to subject it to any risk at all. Yeah, in blue, in blue, I think, I mean, you're saying three, how many months do you need? Three to six months. So in order to keep the lights on in your house and, and pay all the expenses, including keeping food on the table, you need three to six months worth of expenses in cash. That way, if you're, you know, lose a job, you're disabled, something like that, then you can, you know, keep the family working without sure. going into debt. Okay. So I'll, I'll take a look at that then. Okay. All right. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks for the call. Thanks for the time. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 at no risk with emergency reserves. I know it's horrible. It feels horrible to look at cash doing nothing right now, but cash is king when the market's down. And Murphy's Law will tell you that if you get disabled or you lose a job or have some sort of major expenses, um, dental, whatever it may be, it's going to happen when the stock market's down or when you've lost a job. Uh met a person that, you know, had a kind of a big boating accident. Um, adults tubing. Adults shouldn't tube behind a boat. 
it just shouldn't. It's too hard on adults' bodies, and somebody actually got their teeth broken in doing it. Um, that was quite an expensive situation that didn't have any dental insurance, and that's the kind of stuff emergency reserves are there for. Or if you know your washing machine breaks down, or it's it's for emergencies. It shouldn't be subject to any risk. At the same time, annuities are not for younger people. They're not for 30 or 40 year olds. Annuities are not a way to build wealth. An annuity is for ways that people that are close to retirement can protect income potential or have enough assets guaranteed or, or, or a certain amount of their income guaranteed by an insurance company for as long as they live. It's not a way to build your net worth because the fees are higher and they're kind of hidden. And the insurance agent doesn't really tell you about them because they're trying to get that commission, trying to make that dollar so they can use that money to go fix their kids' teeth. And so they're they're going to make the sales pitch look really good because their daughter has this huge gap between their teeth and the, you know they need to make that commission right. All right, if you want to get your calls in there, it's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. That's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Coming back after the break, a little bit more on ETF news and uh, Qatar. Qatar is how you really say it. It's spelled Q A T A R. Um, and the United Arab Emirates is kind of the first two countries being promoted out of the frontier markets into full-fledged emerging markets. So talk about that, because a um, whole new couple of ETFs are being launched as a result of that. And then a little bit more on Jeffrey Gunlock, the star fixed income manager in the news again, talking about, well, you know, simple explanations on the aging of America and why that's going to keep bond rates low for a long period of time. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Or send me an email, chad at chadburton.com. We'll be back. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burns, Certified Financial Planner. We get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. If you have a money question, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, comment on business of the economy, I'd love to hear from you. It's a lot more fun that way. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. All right, a couple of uh, more issues in ETF. So as I mentioned, on May 30th, both Qatar and uh, the United Arab Emirates will get promoted by the MSCI Index folks from being frontier markets into becoming full-fledged emerging markets. As of this year's first quarter, the UAE, which is United Arab Emirates, and Qatar occupied the second and third largest country weights of the MSCI Frontier Markets Index. Symbol for that one is FM. And they were a large part of it, 18 and 16% respectively. And then Kuwait had the next largest country weight in that, that frontier index. So there's a big difference now between, it used to be just international developed and international emerging markets. Now there's frontier emerging international. I don't even really know what you consider China anymore because it was an emerging market. Now they're kind of in between emerging and developed. Definitely not frontier. Um, emerging in the sense of an emerging middle class, but such a, you know, the, the way that they're transitioning their economy from an export based to a consumer based, mm, you know, much, much different. So BlackRock, um, got two new ETFs coming out in this area. That's, you know, not a recommendation or anything like that, but you just keep an eye on that because people get so focused on investing and how it just relates to the overall U.S. and, 
that problem, and things are so national now. I mean, if you look at the S&P 500, they get over half the revenue from outside the U.S. It's a world economy. You can't just focus on the Dow. I mean, you look at the Dow, like I mentioned before, without, uh, was it Merck, Disney, and Caterpillar, the Dow would probably be fat, flat for the year in the Dow 30. How is that a representation of the U.S. economy? It's not. Some of those indexes are they're weighted indexes, and they're too small to really represent what's going on not only in large corporations in America, but also small and overseas as well. Let's go to the phone. we got John from Hayward. Hey, John, how are you? Oh, fine, thank you, Chad. Uh, great show. Uh, quick question. I opened an IRA for last year. Uh-huh. And is there any way I could convert the regular IRA into a Roth IRA? Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no income limits to convert regular IRA money into a Roth IRA money. Okay. Um, so there's no income limits. The IRS took that away a couple years back. The question is, is that how big is that IRA, John? It was, uh, you know, what I was able to contribute for last year. I think maybe eight thousand five hundred or something like that. Six, well, sixty-five hundred. If you're yeah. over fifty, sixty-five hundred. Yeah, so you can convert that. You just have to pay the taxes out of a separate account. Okay. Got it. Okay, no problem. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. So is there a big strategy that you're trying to do to do that? Did you need the tax break last year, but you don't need it this year? Um, well, I don't have regular income this year. You know, yeah. That's all yeah. So nothing, you know, no strategy or anything. The only thing I thought was why not convert it, you know, and leave it, you know, growing tax-free for a long time. Absolutely. Yep. There'll be. Are you over fifty nine and a half? Yes. 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 I am. Okay. Yeah. So even once you convert it and pay the taxes, you'll even be able to get to that okay. that uh, that sixty five hundred amount at any time you want. Now the growth on that account, you'll have to wait five years to touch it. Oh, five years. Okay. Even if yep. I'm just the touch the growth. Yeah. Yep. Okay. No problem, Ted. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for the call. Yeah. And is everybody? You know, as you retire, it's key, as I've mentioned before. And we've got a seminar coming up on June 19th in the evening, Thursday evening, the Palo Alto Elks Club. Um, not just for Elks members, it's open. It's just a great spot to have an event because they have great parking, it's newer facility, great spot in Palo Alto. It fills up quick, so you want to sign up, newfocusfinancial.com. But it's 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, and one of those issues is fighting the IRA tax trap. There's two ways to fight it, or two things to consider when it comes to the IRAs. If you're going to use it all yourself while you're alive, then really looking at maximizing your withdrawal rate. So people put it off too long, as I've mentioned a million times on the show. They put off their IRA withdrawals too late, then they get to age 70 and a half, and they're forced to pull money out, and they lose control of their tax bracket. So between retirement and age 70 and a half, you either look at drawing from the IRAs first to live or drawing in the form of small Roth IRA conversions each year to max out that, especially 15% bracket. You'll be surprised once you sit down with an advisor, CPA or your CFP, and you start doing your long-term income projections for retirement, which have to include very specific tax analysis. And you'll be surprised how much you can pull out of different accounts and still maintain that 15% bracket out of your IRA. So either drawing enough out to live to max your 15% bracket or converting. So 70 plus thousand a year plus your amount equal to your itemized deductions you can try out. And you really got to do some modeling to, to check that out. All right, a couple other things I want to talk about today. First of all, Bloomberg has uh, Jeffrey Gunlock in the news again, and he's the star fixed income manager who, over the last three years, big deal, mutual fund beat 97% of its rivals. Um, 
But he did have, and he's just in the news too much lately, just, you know, him and Bill Gross, it just gets a little old. He does have a simpler explanation, though, why investors have gotten the bond market so wrong this year, and it has to do with the aging of America. I don't think that's just as simple as that. I think that a lot of investors that, a lot of, there's a lot of bond funds out there that are shorting or had shorted the 10-year treasury. And that's why we didn't see a jump in rates when that really good jobs report came out in terms of the new uh, payrolls. And I would have assumed if you would have asked me third quarter of last year that once we got a report where over 200,000 jobs would be created, I would have figured we'd have a bit of a jump in interest rates, you know, 10, 15, 20 basis points. Didn't happen. It actually went the opposite direction. Part of that is because unconstrained bonds or ETFs that short bonds in order to hedge against rising rates to protect the value of the underlying bonds had to cover that stuff. Jeffrey Gonlick says it's more as a result of the aging of America. We'll talk about that coming back after the break. Get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Get your calls in there. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. We'll be right back. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Don't forget, if you want to attend that June 19th, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, super educational event. I mean, 10 questions you really need to make sure that you have the answers to before you hit the button to retire. Or you might be in retirement thinking that you're doing it wrong. We've gone through a five-year market rally all the way off the bottom. Rates are still extremely low. They're at recession-level lows. Yet the stock market has recovered, and yet we have GDP growth that was horrible last quarter. So what what do you do now? Talk about those types of issues. And speaking of interest rates, I mean, the, the the performance of the bond market surprised me in the first quarter of 2014, like it did a lot of people. So everybody's giving their opinion on why. Jeffrey Gunlock, he's saying it's the aging of America. He says more retirees means shrinking workforce. That's going to lead to less spending, slower inflation, greater demand for low-risk income-producing investments. Now, keep in mind as I'm talking about this, don't focus on this issue of the aging population of the U.S. and Japan as this is going to kill your investments on all stocks going forward. This is a global economy. The middle class that's emerging in markets overseas is much bigger than the amount of people that are turning 65 in the U.S., but in terms of how that's going to affect U.S. Treasuries and the demand for lower-risk assets, bonds have an inverse relationship with their interest rates. So as people pile into bonds, it pushes the price of the bond up and the yield down. So we've got uh, even RBC Capital Markets out there saying that Treasury, well, let's see, how, how's the best way to put this? Treasury auctions, they, they, the growth in the working age population will slow to 0.2% in the coming decade from 1.2%. A lot of information to try to give out on the radio. But since 2008, the Federal Reserve has inundated the economy with more than $3 trillion in cheap cash to hold down borrowing costs and restore growth. Now, the deepest recession since the Great Depression ended, it already ended quite a while ago. But there's questions over the resilience of the U.S. consumer. What I always say is never count out. As soon as you think you should count out the U.S. consumer, don't count them out. Treasuries have rallied this year. People piled into bonds. And, gosh, we've got 
the number of Americans turning 65 years or older will balloon to 14.5 million this decade, the biggest increase versus the total population going back to 1900. Gunlock says there are few reasons to anticipate a sudden surge in treasury yields because of a rapidly aging population will constrain long-term demand in in an economy that's already being hampered by lack of wage growth. So that's the other issue. You've had a big asset increase, but we've talked about this, is that the people that are coming out of high school right now trying to get a job, the average raise is around $35,000 if they don't have a college education, which is about the same as it was 20 years ago. That's kind of the basic middle class. No college degree, go in, get a decent job. There's been no wage inflation there because of the global economy. Don't really expect it to be either. It's not where you should be focusing your time. And with so many people aging, as you age, you don't buy it. It's not as much as a you know retail shopper. You're trying to save money. And even if you're not directly buying U.S. treasuries, you're putting your assets into other things like fixed annuities, indexed annuities, bond funds, and those funds are having to go out and buy those longer-term, safer government treasuries. So the, the aging population, the lack of wage inflation, the slower GDP growth, just another story, folks, of what our expectation should be for interest rates. And it's probably a, a next at least five years of very low interest rates. The new normal being, you know, under 4% for a while here. That's what it looks like, which means retirement planning is harder. You can't just go ladder a bond portfolio, 40% of your money, take 10% and put it in laddered CDs and the rest in stocks. It's not that easy anymore. You wouldn't really want to go out over six, seven years on a bond portfolio right now. You want your duration to be less than that. So shorter term, lower duration bond funds, some international, uh, and uh, unconstrained bonds, and then some of the bond alternatives like I've mentioned before on the show. This week we'll get a little bit more data, too, to talk about. It's a big week of economic reporting for retail sales, producer price index, consumer price index, initial jobless claims, industrial projections, housing starts are going to be released. Gunlock's another guy that says short the home builders. Uh, I don't really short anything, but that's what he says. So a lot of claims out there. When you're in the media too much, make all these claims. Too many times to potentially be wrong. <laughs> if you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. We'll be back. This is New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Don't forget to sign up for the event June 19th, 6.30 p.m. Rob Black and I, the morning show host, will be at the in Palo Alto, the Elks Club, 6.30, all about retirement income planning. Check it out, newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. Little scorecard so far, about 76% of the 453 S&P 500 companies that have released results so far for this quarter this last quarter, have beaten estimates for profit, only 53% have exceeded revenue projections. So continued revenue issued. Now, profit companies will probably rise 7.2% this year, according to uh, estimates compiled by Bloomberg from analysts. But yet we have pretty mediocre revenue growth. So something to continue to keep an eye on. That's why a combination of... uh, 
no, not the high flyer stocks, but you got to have the earnings and the revenue combination and still be fairly valued. If you're priced for perfection, you come out with a bad quarter, you're going to get hammered. That's what we've seen all quarter long. Now, speaking of that, what is your style box? Because we have had more of a switch from the go-go growth to you know, more of a value play. We've seen people pile into consumer staples, which I think and it wouldn't pile into those things because I think they're a little bit expensive right now. Consumer staples are, you know, things that you use in good economies or bad economies, food and Band-Aids, let's say that. Now, I had an interesting article in uh, ETF Connect, I think it was. Anyway, talked about just looking at two different types of ETFs because there's an ETF for everything. There's a momentum-based ETF where it holds momentum-based stocks and they do quantitative screening to get the momentum the stocks that are that have high momentum, that are all moving upwards more than the market, let's say. Symbol of that one's PDP. But then there's also a power shares S&P 500 low volatility EPF, the symbol ETF. The symbol is SPLV. Neither one of these are recommendations. I don't tend to get this specific, this specific when it comes to um, ETFs and trying to switch back and forth between strategies. I'm looking at asset allocation and I'm looking at tactical weightings where in the next 12 to 18 months, if I overweight or underweight in certain sectors or U.S. versus emerging or emerging versus U.S., for example, where can I get a little bit more bang for my buck? Where's the risk-reward trade-off there? But there's a study on that, um, on those two issues. On, on low, It's tended to work out better by owning value throughout the summer. The sell-and-may-go-away thing doesn't really work. It hasn't worked for a while. But transitioning to more defensive strategy or peeling the, the gains off your growth, you know, before May and reallocating and automatically be reallocating more to value anyway, that tends to kind of pay off over time, reducing volatility. Retired people, the way you think about it is that you need a certain amount of cash on hand. So peeling off some of the growth to create the cash that you're going to spend over the next 6 to 12 months. Perfect idea to do that. Perfect idea. A couple of emails. This first one is Ryan. Love the show. I'm podcast listeners, thanks for making that happen. I can listen on my own time. So, yeah, there's a newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. There's a link where you can download the iTunes version automatically in your phone or iPod, whatever. And uh, so check that out, newfocusfinancial.com. And... So he's talking about budgeting in this one. He says, I prefer to use Quicken over Mint since it gives me more flexibility on slicing and dicing my data. So, folks, both Quicken and Mint um, have the ability you can use their budgeting tool, and it can be free. Now, Intuit bought Mint, so essentially they're the same company now. He says, I hate the Quicken budgeting tool since it forces you to track individual categories and how much you are spending on them. That type of budget is just too cumbersome for me. And I get that. Some people just don't. I mean, you get my bookkeeper, for example. Every penny that comes in or goes out is accounted for, balances checkbooks, spends hours and hours finding where a penny might be. Most people don't do that these days, unfortunately. They don't. So some of these budgeting tracking tools can be very time-consuming. And when you first set up like a Quicken or a Mint, and Ryan actually goes on to talk about a new... Uh, not a new app, but an app that's out there that Rob is talking about on the morning show called Level. It's an app that's available on both the Apple and Android platform, and I've heard some decent things about it. I have not used it yet, mostly because New Focus, our, our wealth management site that our clients get, have a budgeting, spending tracking tool in addition to 
tracking all of the accounts wherever they are. It's all linked into one place, and it also goes into the financial planning projections that we do. So I use that for myself, obviously. But I've heard some decent things about Level. Any of these tools, though, is important because one of the first steps in financial planning is what are you spending so you can project what you need in retirement? Where are you spending your money so you can figure out where you can save more money? Where can you save more money? Use these budgeting tools. And you can set alerts so that if you've overspent on going out to eat or you're that guy that, you know what, you think you're only cool because you're buying a round of drinks for everybody at the bar, yet you aren't putting enough money into your 401k. Uh, duh. Was that really worth it to be cool for that two minutes? Was buying the round of drinks every Friday, is that worth not being able to retire? It's simple things like that that people just don't get. So any of these tools, though, that you use, you got to realize that it's going to be some time commitment in the first three to six months. First three to six months is going to be some time commitment to make sure that you're going and categorizing everything and finding out where you're saving money. And eventually any of the systems will get to know you and where you save. You still have to spend, you know, a good 20 to an hour, 20 minutes to an hour a week categorizing stuff so you know where it is. All right. Okay. Now this one's from Saul. Now Saul, this is another email, but kind of we had a repeat game here. As everybody knows, not everybody knows, but I'm a big Blazer fan growing up in the Northwest. So Saul said, morning, Chad. Great third quarter last night. I'm calling it Spurs and Five, but the Blazers are on the way up. And I've had other emails from questions. You know what? So game four is tonight in Portland. And I'm actually going to be a game four. And I'm going to be keeping my fingers crossed. But no team has ever come back from three to zero and ever come back and won a series. And our stars, LaMarcus Aldridge and Lillard, they're just not... And that's not like playing like they were against Houston. Anyways, Saul actually had a couple of financial questions here in this email about uh, Spurs versus Blazers. Parents passing on the Prop 13 onto the kids. We'll talk about that. If you want to get your calls in the air, we got one more segment left, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air. We'll be back. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Shepard, Certified Financial Planner. Sarah sent an email asking about the budgeting tools again. Again, Quicken.com, Mint.com, LearnVest, and also Level. Those are the places where you can get a free version of sites that track your spending for you. You gotta be, you know, realize you gotta be comfortable in putting in your, your data for your accounts into these sites, and I think these ones are safe. Um, I think everybody should own identity theft protection no matter what, though. But I think you're fine in doing it the way that they use encryption. Um, okay, getting back to Saul's email. Um, my other question is, my friend will be inheriting his parents' home. He's under the impression that the Prop 13 continues when, when he inherits the home. A lot of rules around this to keep that Prop 13 tax base. It gets really complicated when you have more than one kid. And when one kid wants to get out of it and the, the ownership is changed and the, the value is reassessed. So you gotta look at Proposition 58. It's Proposition 58, the parent child protection issues. Um, and work with an estate planning attorney to make sure your will and trust is done correctly and that the ownership of the house and the house is actually titled the, pri- the proper way now. Very, very specific, especially the more siblings you have, the more complicated it is. 
and the more unlikely you'll be able to keep that tax base. And it's just ridiculous anyways. I don't think you should be able to. I mean, come on. I ran into somebody that has a house in, um, oh, what's that town? Is it Alma, Almaden? It's, it's just south of um, San Jose, southeast-ish, kind of the historic town where they took the houses. Yeah, spacing the name right now. They're paying like $1,000 a year for their property taxes. A home they could probably sell for like $850,000. Small house, big enough for them, retired couple. That's, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so Prop 13 is going to have to go away. It will go away. It will change if California is to survive. Eesh. Okay. Uh, the other part of Sol's question is that, uh, where is it? What alternatives are there to the standard checking account for a safe money? I already talked about that. Go to bankrate.com. You can find out FDIC-insured money market accounts. That's what you look for. Um, and they give you a whole list. And you can tie them to your existing checking account and transfer money back and forth. And um, let's see. What was my other email question? By the way, if you have an email for the show, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Get your calls in there. The email is chad at chadburton.com or go to newfocusfinancial.com to shoot me an email question as well. Now, check this out. This was another, you get these surveys all the time. Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies surveyed 4,143 full and part-time people. 41% think that the retirement standard of living is going to be the same. Only 17% expect their standard of living in retirement to actually increase. And 9% aren't sure what to happen. I'd say that I'm 100% sure that the majority of these people are 60% wrong and have about 40% idea of what they're supposed to be thinking about. Does that make sense? I think most people don't even know their number. That's the point of this. I think most people in America now, based on the actual account values that have come out for people in re- that are saving for retirement, most are drastically behind. So what are you doing about saving money. <laughs> Start small, people. If you're not contributing to a plan, you need to. And just even if it's at 1%, just get a start because the same make 44000 a year. You know, if you pay twice a month, that's about what, 1800 paycheck. If you contribute $18.40 about out of each paycheck, you're only going to miss 13 bucks because you're, you're not going to pay taxes on that money. It's about a dollar a day. Start saving. When you get a bonus, Save that. you got to start somewhere. You're going to have a big decrease in living in retirement. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.